All right, well, let's go to the Lord and, and lift these things. You pray in your own heart. Um, God can hear a multitude crying out him, to him, billions or, or millions or whoever's crying out, he hears. Don't understand it, but believe it. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, you're, you're gracious to us. Um, your mercies are new every morning. Uh, how great is your faithfulness. Lord, we, we say that, but uh, Lord, help us to pray it with our hearts to, to really be crying out to you and not just be saying words. It's so easy to memorize and, and learn a speech and preach a sermon. And, but Lord, help, it to, uh, help us to come from the heart. And so, Lord, we cry out to you. And uh, Lord, without you, we're, we're hopeless. We're helpless without you. And uh, I'm thankful, Lord, that the blood of Christ uh, does cleanse us from all of our sin, uh, that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west uh, from us. Uh, you have forgiven us our sins in Christ as we trust him alone for our salvation. And give us grace to do that. Lord, we all need your grace. And Lord, we do lift up this morning uh, these requests to you and uh, I would pray for the police and, uh, uh, Lord, watch over them and encourage their hearts in, in this time of real uh, persecution. And, Lord, I pray for, for Fred and Alma as they travel back to California. Give them traveling mercies, uh, O oh Lord. And just bless their time here with uh, their uh, Fred's dad, uh, Martin. Continue to bless uh, Martin and also Betty there in the, in the home and, and just uh, encourage them and, and sustain them and uh, give them great joy as they look to Jesus. Uh, Lord, I also lift up to you my niece, Susan, who uh, is, is very sick and ill at this time. And, and uh, Lord, have mercy on her. Uh, reveal yourself to her, O oh Lord, if she does not know you. Pray for, for Gail and her vertigo and also, her job situation, uh, work that out, Father, uh, for her. Uh, be gracious. Carl, we lift him to you and, and his continual sickness and that he will be able to find what he needs to, to heal him and to strengthen him. Uh, Lord, uh, for Sue, as uh, she's recovering from this car accident, and for Wilda and, and Jimmy, who are not here, and others who are not here as well, Lord, and uh, just bless them uh, as, as they're apart from us. And Lord, we pray for uh, Dr. Cranton. And uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just uh, heal this, this uh, blow above the eye, which can be so dangerous, God, as I, as I know. And, but I pray healing for him uh, in, in this matter. And also we um, pray for Daniel Kelly and his uh, black lung uh, diagnosis and, and all that he's going through. So, Lord, uh, heal him as well. And also, uh, for Becky's uh, grandmother's uh, uh, sister, um, uh, heal her, Lord, as her life is threatened. And, and Cameron, as he's traveling, and also for his spiritual being, uh, God, that as, as Andrew has opened his heart to him and, 
and witness to him, Lord, take those words, take your word, and work powerfully in, in his life, O oh Lord. I thank you for Andrew when, when we say things we shouldn't, that we can come forward and, and, and ask for forgiveness. And, Lord, that shows a heart that's, that's uh, moved by your spirit. Help us all to have that same spirit. And uh, so, God, we give you uh, all the praise and, and all the glory and uh, hear our cries, for we make them in Jesus' name. And for his sake, amen. 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 All right, if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 9. I will not have an overhead uh, today because there are not that many verses to refer to. And uh, but we want to just have take a glimpse at uh, the danger of having the spirit of narrowness. Uh, have you ever said or thought uh, this thought before? If you don't think as we think, do as we do. If you don't. Uh, join with us, you are to be opposed and condemned. I have. And you need to ask yourself, are you still doing that? Because we're all guilty of that, uh, condemning others. And we uh, read that passage from Matthew chapter 7, and that's, it's very convicting. But is that your attitude this morning? I think there's a, a temptation for Christians to be unbiblically narrow. Now, as we, we talked about in Sunday school, Andrew did, sound doctrine is something else now. I'm not talking about that. But uh, to embrace bigotry and intolerance, to look down and, uh, uh, on other Christians who may not do things the way you do, uh, and uh, it's not practicing love, as we have already seen. And, uh, you know, somebody may not use the same translation of the scriptures that you do. And I've heard people say, if you don't hold a certain translation, then you're not even reading the scriptures. And they con- they're condemned. Uh, you may have a system of uh, uh, theology and, uh, and say, anybody who doesn't hold to my system is wrong, and I will not even fellowship with them. Uh, you may have a view of the end times, how, what it's going to be like when Jesus comes and, and all of that. But are you, will you listen to what other people have to say? Are you intolerant? Uh, uh, our dress that we, we come to church in or any other time, the music that we listen to, all of these things, uh, we can be uh, intolerant and judgmental. And yet last week, what did we see? We saw uh, the disciples who were, what, arguing over who was the greatest. Who was the greatest? Jesus had something interesting to, to say. Jesus said the road to true greatness is humble service. Humble service. And this is kind of an extension of that this morning. 
You must be the servant of all, he says. You must become a child and care about the weak, the little children, the insignificant people, the people who may not dress as well as you do. And we can go into great details uh, uh, concerning that. Uh, when somebody comes to, to church, a visitor, uh, how do we greet them? If they're rich, do we greet them one way? And if they're poor, do we greet them another way? Or do we greet them at all? How sad. I've been to churches when I visit. Nobody will even say, hi, it's good to have you here this morning or anything. And you, if it, Especially a big church. Uh, where you're, you're, uh, there's so many people they don't recognize, and that could be the reason. But true greatness is not what people can do for us, but what we can do for them. That's true greatness. When we receive them, we receive Christ. Because Christ is not physically here this morning. But he says, if you receive them, you're receiving me. Interesting how uh, he put that. Now, why did John, uh, the apostle of love, interject this story about uh, a man who was not one of the disciples who was uh, casting out demons? Well, let's read about that. Uh, Mark chapter 9 verses 38 through 41. 38 through 41. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. In other words, he wasn't in our camp. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name And be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ. Truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. What is Jesus talking about here? What is he Uh, What is he driving at? Well, I I want to try to uh, talk about that a little bit and let God speak to you concerning that. But uh, here is a man who is casting out demons, but he's not doing it with the disciples, and and, uh, they don't like it. And uh, it could be that uh, uh, John was embarrassed over what he had heard about a little child, and he was changing the subject. That could be it. Or he, maybe he was just smitten in his own conscience uh, because he had not received this child and tried to, uh, or this man in, in was, who was ministering in his name, and, uh, but he wasn't following them. In other words, he may have been defending himself why they had not uh, received this man and uh, wanted Christ uh, thinking concerning it. So there's, there's a possibility of, of many things here. And uh, if you go and look at the commentaries, there are about eight or ten that are listed, which I'm not going to go into because it's really speculation. Uh, 
Perhaps this was a disciple of John the Baptist. It doesn't say. But he was doing a genuine work for God. Obviously, he was a true believer and God was using him uh, to cast out demons. And so what do the disciples do? They try to stop him or prevent him, it says. Uh, And of course, I think this was a mistaken zeal on their part. They had zeal, but it was mistaken. You know, they wanted to do the right thing, but they weren't doing the right thing. And Jesus is quick to point that out. Why did they try to stop him? Because they, as they say, he is not following us. He is not following us, the disciples. He's not following our group, our little circle. He is not one of the disciples. I hope you're starting to let that sink in. Also, they were probably jealous because this man was actually casting out demons and they had failed to do it with the little boy. So even jealousy could be a part of that. How does Jesus respond? In verses 39 through 41, we find out. uh, The first general command is, forbid it not. He said, forbid him not. Uh, Don't try to stop him, Jesus says. Uh, Jesus had no sympathy with their exclusive spirit. God does not uh, look lightly at someone who has an exclusive spirit. That's a great sin because we see it for one thing all through the scriptures and uh, particularly right here. Even if he doesn't join us, the deed that he is doing is good. And for all we know, he was a real believer. He, he, he trusted uh, uh, Jesus. He was following Jesus. There's no indication here that what he was doing was against Christ at all. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. What does this mean in the history of the church? Sad to say, uh, it condemns church history. And it's even going on today. This is not. But great men like John Bunyan uh, was thrown into prison because he was not doing things the way the church said it ought to be done. That's hard to believe. And yet that was going on. Also, uh, John uh, uh, Wesley and, and, and Whitfield were thrown out of the Anglican church, were not allowed to preach in the Anglican church uh, because of what they were preaching. As, again, this is hard to believe. Uh, actually, Baptists years ago were drowned for immersing people. You don't hear a lot about that uh, too much, but it's, it's true. Even in the uh, colonies of this country, people say, well, there's freedom of religion. Well, yeah, you were free to worship the religion that that particular colony had. You see what I'm saying? So there was that exclusiveness even in the colonies within uh, each body. And uh, it's wrong. 
uh, even fighting fundamentalist today. And I consider myself a fundamentalist, and I think we all would, the fundamentals of the faith that we hold to. But there are those fundamentalists who don't associate with other fundamentalists because they don't agree on certain minor points. And that's sad. They are called pseudo-fundamentalists or false. And then there's the neo-fundamentalist, which means new. And uh, I, I went to a school where, sad to say, there was first, second, and third degree separation from other Christians. First degree was if somebody that you know sins, then you're, not, you're to separate from them unless they repent. But second, then it goes on to the second, if that person is associating with somebody who has done wrong, then you don't associate with any of them. And so all of this is amazing because man is sinful. He judges, he looks down on, he condemns, uh, he's intolerant, and it's sad. See, this is sad. What we're talking about is sad. And yet we today, in, in whatever body we're worshiping in, can be guilty of the same thing. Now, if you don't see that, you're probably guilty of it. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's a story in a town, and it's supposed to be true. It's so unbelievable, though, that I wonder. Uh, there was a church in this ca- uh, town called the Church of God. And the church of God split, and the church, the new church became the true church of God. And then that church split, and the next church was the only true church of God. Again, that's very sad, isn't it? You know, cults have this attitude, and Christians can have this attitude us against the world. Us against the world. Even other Christians. Us against other churches, other denominations. And yet Jesus says, no, are they preaching the gospel? Praise God. We're to rejoice that they're teaching the truth, even though it's not perfect. Guess what? I don't have all the answers, and you don't either. If you think you do, you better examine what's going on in your heart. And somebody else might say, He went to what seminary? Oh, I'd never have a pastor who went to that seminary. And on and on it goes. And uh, it's the attitude. Jesus says that this man couldn't do a genuine miracle in, in, in my name and then drag my name through the mud. It's impossible. He won't say bad things about me if he is doing a genuine miracle in my name. The disciples, as us, should have had an attitude of openness. Not so open-minded that your brains fall out, but a mind of openness. To be able to hear, listen, digest, talk about without getting all bent out of shape. But we do. Somebody said the truth is friendship and hostility towards Jesus cannot exist together. Friendship and hostility toward Jesus doesn't exist 
together. Jesus says what? You're either for me or you're against me. And people who we know who are for Jesus, we should not be against them. Now, it doesn't mean we have to accept all of their views, no. But we're on the same team. Some of us are shooting rifles, and some of us are shooting cannon, and some of us are hiding in the uh, foxholes, so we won't get shot at. That's where most Christians are. Very few Christians on the front lines. Are you on the front line? Wherever you are. If you're in a, if you're in a, a, a nursing home, or a teacher, wherever you are, are you on the firing line? Jesus, though, here gives to me a very encouraging promise in verse 41. He says, those people will not lose their reward. They will be noticed by God. They will not be forgotten by God. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Jesus is keeping up with everything. And if you give a cup of water, which costs what? Nothing. You've done a great thing in God's eyes. You know, we think, oh, you've got to be a preacher to be great. You've got to be this or that. or No, you don't. We all have uh, different responsibilities. And uh, we all have to remember, though, we were purchased by Christ. His blood was shed for us. He is, he is my shepherd. He is, uh, we are his sheep, and uh, we belong to him. We belong to him, and therefore, uh, we're to serve him, as Jesus is pointing out. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. This is one of the few times we'll turn away. Matthew 25, verses 37 through 40. Matthew 25, 37 through 40. This really speaks for itself. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? 39. When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. When was the last time you had somebody in your home to fellowship with them? Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't want 25 invitations. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But, I mean, I'm talking about somebody who is needy. Somebody who you really don't want to invite to be in your home. This gets down to where the rubber meets the road. 
My brothers and sisters, do you realize that God demonstrated his love towards you and that while you were a sinner, he died for you? He did not look down and say, wow, there is Andrew. He's going to be a great guy. No, he saw Andrew a sinner and he died for Andrew because God knows the beginning to the end and he knows you. And He loves you with that unconditional love. And yet we can't love somebody who may smell bad. Who hadn't had a bath in a few days. Or is poor and needy. It's very, very convicting to me. Um, But nothing pleases the Father more than to do things for Christ. And, And to do things for Christian is to do them for Christ. You see that? The Father loves us doing things for Jesus. But doing things to others is doing things for Jesus. That's the only way you can demonstrate that. If you sit around, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You never do anything? What is that? It's a hypocrite. It's empty. This person, it says, will not lose his reward. That's what's encouraging to me. Of all this, what's encouraging is you will not. And uh, we need to see, uh, even ministering to the least of these is something that God takes note of. All of life is ministry. Everything we do in life is ministry. Whether we eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. With God, there's no difference between the secular and the sacred. I'm a preacher. That does not make me sacred. And you can be, uh, uh, you can paint uh, homes or whatever. And that to God is sacred. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God because it's sacred. There's no we make things secular and sacred. With God, all things are sacred. Our whole life is sacred to Him. Everything we do, every thought that we think, is a sacred thing to God. We are the ones who make a cup of water given in His name of no importance. But He does. He takes note of the least of all things that are done. Now that's encouraging to me. Uh, He takes note of it. Just an act of kindness. Maybe visiting somebody who is in need. Taking them something to eat. And then not telling anybody that you've done it. That's what's tough. To be seen of men like the Pharisees. We've got to get credit for everything. Nothing is trivial. Hospitality. Uh, Maybe you're, you're supporting someone who is poor. You're giving them money because they in a situation where they cannot uh, survive. Uh, you know what's really neat is when I come to church and somebody greets me with a big smile. You say, what is in a smile? That's such a little thing. Yeah, but so is a cup of water. You can encourage somebody just with your smile and show them, man, he likes me. I don't see how, but he likes me. <laughs> It's encouraging and, uh, and it's refreshing, just like a glass of water. 
It costs nothing to do that. See, that's what Jesus, a cup of water, doesn't cost anything. To encourage somebody, doesn't cost anything. What are we doing uh, for Christians? Who are you serving? Hebrews chapter 3. Let's turn again just a few verses, but Hebrews chapter 3. In verse 13. And I think Paul, not sure the author, but I think Paul, it says in verse 13 of Hebrews 3, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, an act of encouragement might keep someone from falling into sin. I mean, you never know what, uh, what a small thing is going to do in somebody's life. Of course, we, we want to get uh, rather than give, and that's, uh, that's, we, we all struggle with that. And uh, in Numbers chapter 11, turn back to Numbers, because this is not something uh, that's going on that's, that's new. Uh, that is this narrow-minded thinking. It went, went on in, in, in Moses' day. That is uh, the intolerance of saying, uh, stop that man. Remember the, the disciples were saying, stop it, stop it. You're not part of us. Don't do it. Well, we find that in Numbers chapter 11 when the people are complaining to Moses uh, that he was an inadequate leader. Uh, they were tired of manna. <laughs> and uh, I probably would have been too. Boy, manna cakes. Uh, Manna bread, you know, manna, 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 manna. And uh, uh, they were losing their appetite. And we have to be careful about losing our appetite, uh, brothers and sisters. But anyway, so Moses complains to God uh, here. And uh, matter of fact, he's so discouraged. Even in verse 14, uh, verse 15, he even asked to die unless God does something. And, and the Lord says, yes, I am going to do something. So he appoints 70 elders uh, to help out. And in verse 26 of Numbers 11, it says, But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one, now they remained in the camp, notice. If you read this, they were told to go to the tent. But these guys stayed behind. The name of one was Eldad and the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now, they were among those who had been registered as one of the elders, but had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. So God was with them. God was blessing them. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth said, Moses, my Lord, stop them, restrain them. In verse 29, but Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of God's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. In other words, they were not condemned 
like we condemn people because they're not doing things our way. And yet, no. God was with these uh, uh, two men and was using them. And we have to remember that. God is using other Christians besides us. We don't have, oh, if everybody came here, this world would be no problems at all. Wow. You know, how narrow-minded is that? Or if, if everybody held to the same doctrines that I hold to, boy, there'd be no problems at all. Pride, pride, pride. That's all it is. Uh, well, I'd never be a Methodist because a lot of the Methodists believe you can lose your salvation. Well, they can't. So, when they get there, they're going to find out they couldn't lose their salvation, but what difference does it make? They're going to be there. And yet, I think they're wrong, but I don't make that something that separates me from them because they may believe they can lose their salvation. They're brother and sister in, in Christ. No church has a monopoly on all the truth. No group of people has a monopoly on the truth. And we have to realize that, I think. Uh, different, though, if a church is preaching false doctrine, untruths, uh, salvation by works, uh, and on and on. And of course, a lot of your uh, cults, the Jehovah's Witness, uh, do that. And that is not what's being dealt with here. By the way, did you know there will be no independent people in heaven? There will not be any Baptist in heaven. There will be no Presbyterians, Episcopalians. Why? Because we'll be one family. We ought to be that way now. One day we will be. Why? Because we're going to realize how wrong we were. We're going to repent. And, and, and we're going to be like Christ. And we're going to love everybody. Even if they believe differently than we do. Boy, I have struggled with that all my life. But that's the, I believe that's what's being taught here. I really do. No, we teach the truth in our church, but we love people in other churches. When I hear somebody is going to a Methodist church who doesn't love Jesus, I rejoice. Because they're going to church where the gospel is preached in they can become born again. They can become a believer. So I rejoice that they're going to a church that preaches the gospel. And then what about, and we're almost done, what about worship forms that differ from us? What about having a live band in a church? Oh, I'd never go to church with a live band. Why not? Read Psalm 150 sometimes. Just about mentions every instrument in the world there. Worshiping God with psalms and, 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 and with tambourines and trumpets. and Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And yet we'll, oh, I'd never have a band. Oh, no. Oh, that's just not spiritual. Boy, how narrow-minded we can be. How narrow-minded we can be. Uh, Turn to Philippians, the last verse we'll turn to. It's uh, 
First and Second Corinthians, then General Electric Power Company. That's how you remember it. General Electric Power Company. Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Now, Paul is in prison. And uh, let's just read this for, uh, and then comment. Beginning verse 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this, what? I rejoice. Rejoice at other churches who are preaching the gospel. Rejoice with them. I mean, boy, they they had ten people saved in their church last week. Boy, I wish we had ten people. No, you rejoice. You're thankful for what God is doing, and this is what Paul, I think, is, is driving at uh, in what we find in Mark. How sad are these words? Now, if this describes you, you need to repent. Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I'm right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think as I think, eat what I eat, drink what I drink, Look as I look, always do as I do, then and then only I'll fellowship with you. A lot of Christians are that way, sad to say. I hope that's not true about you this morning. What is your attitude? Is it exclusiveness towards those that differ from you? I hope not. And if it is, ask God to change your heart this morning. You know, he can change your heart. He can give you love for the unlovely. He can give you love for your enemies, those who differ from you. But if you're always talking about, God is not glorified in that. You know, and I hope if if you differ from me, you'll come and, and talk and we can agree to disagree or something. But don't talk behind people's backs to other people. That is not Christianity. That is not Christianity. No, we're to encourage one another, love one another in spite of our differences. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. This man is doing a good work for God, a good deed for God. And I rejoice with that. And so we should do the same. Let's pray. Father, this morning we we just bow our lives before you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll work now in hearts work in my heart. Uh, Lord, it's so easy to be judgmental, to look at others with a narrow-mindedness and judge them for their differences from us. But help us to be like Paul who rejoiced that the gospel was preached, even if it was from wrong motives. Give us grace, Lord. I 
I would pray, even right now where you're sitting, if there's something that you are guilty of concerning this, uh, would you just confess it to God right now? Lord, change my heart and make me more like Jesus. To love the unlovely like he does. To see that you're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not saved because you got it all together. It has nothing to do with your salvation. If you've not had the attitude of helping the poor and the needy, loving the unlovely, just pray right now. God, change my heart. I need to pray that. We all need to pray that. We just thank you and praise you, Father, uh, for your great grace. In our lives, in Jesus' name, amen.